0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Filato on Football here on the Big Blue View radio network. I am the host of this show, Nicholas Filato. Today, we're going to dive into some pre-draft news So we have pro days going on, similar to what we went over last week, only with different players now. And this is the first episode of this podcast that is dropping in April, the month that the 2021 draft commences. And again, it ends in May because it's a three-day period, but it's a time of excitement. Last week, we saw some trades from teams like the 49ers, who traded from 12 up to the third pick, and we also saw the Miami Dolphins who were at third pick trade from 12 up to the sixth pick with the Philadelphia Eagles. So what that signifies is to me, the Miami Dolphins are probably interested in a receiving option, whether that be Florida tight end Kyle Pitts or Alabama wide receivers Jalen Waddell or Devonta Smith. Remember, Tua Tagovailoa is their quarterback last year. They spent the fifth overall selection on him last season. Did not necessarily live up to that bill last year. Carry some concerns. Some, I guess, analysts, you could say, around the NFL were considering, hey, maybe the Miami Dolphins with that third pick should go after a quarterback. They obviously did not, but they did trade back up into the top 10. They're now sitting there at six. And like I said, I think they may go after one of Tua's former teammates in Smith or Waddle. Kyle Pitts. I know they have Mike Siki, the kid from Penn State. They drafted in the second round a couple of years ago. But Kyle Pitts is this good. He's that good. You can see it as Pro Day. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But he has all the film in the world to suggest that he is that good as well. So he could definitely be an option there. And there's also Jamar Chase, wide receiver at LSU, opted out of 2020, was a 2019 stud, set multiple SEC records that ended up being broken by Devonta Smith in 2020. He's another one that I feel like the Miami Dolphins are probably circling. And then with the 49ers, it's a signal caller. Is it Mac Jones? Could it be Justin Fields? Trey Lance? We're not 100% sure. There's There's some tea leaves that suggest that it could be Mac Jones, quarterback from Alabama, won the national championship, is a quick processor who gets the football out of his hands quickly. And that's something that Kyle Shanahan puts a high precedent on within his system, but it still remains to be seen it could be any of these quarterbacks and it should be interesting as we kind of go along but the san francisco 49ers definitely wowed a lot of us last week that's gonna happen right so let's go over some of these pro days that happened all right when those trades were going down we saw zach wilson pulling his best event sevenfold and seizing the day opening a lot of people's eyes to the off-platform throws that we become accustomed to watching on Saturday. It looks like that's going to transition now to Sunday. But Justin Fields, man, he came in this past week and had one heck of a pro day, showing similar traits, throwing off-platform, throwing from different arm angles, and showing just this diverse skill set of how he can release the football from different points and get it where it needs to go with touch, accuracy some velocity when it needs to and command very very impressive stuff from justin fields and he also came in at 6'3 228 pounds and ran a 444 40 yard dash now that is something that a lot of offensive coordinators should love to see a lot of linebackers and safeties, should not love to see. because That's a big body right there who can really run very, very well. He made should have made a lot of money for himself at the pro day, but we'll see exactly what ends up happening. Again, this is great for the Giants if five quarterbacks. I hope it's Mac Jones at three, just so one of those other teams like the Detroit Lions or the carolina panthers who are picking ahead of the new york giants maybe the denver broncos are gonna look at someone like justin fields and be like we need that guy and that's five quarterbacks that can go before the new york giants select leaving only five players before the giants select at 11 that would be an ideal situation because there's plenty of players that you can go through in your mind that you want at that giants pick you got the northwestern tackle Rashawn slater you got michael parsons the penn state linebacker obviously oregon tackle Pende suo kyle pitts Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, But I look at the Giants right now. Giants are a team that typically, in the past at least, especially in the Dave Gettleman era, whatever they didn't address in free agency, they end up addressing in the draft. And it's something that I, I, I'm thinking about it, and I've seen people tweeting about it and, it, and it does make sense. And the Giants were really heavily invested in Leonard Floyd. They almost signed Leonard Floyd if they could have, over going out and getting someone like Kenny Galladay. Floyd ends up going back to the Los Angeles Rams. The Giants don't end up signing him. They end up getting Kenny Galladay, signing a Dory Jackson, all well and good. But this leaves a glaring hole at edge. And John Mayer, in his press conference last week, said, Look, we're not boxed in to go wide receiver in the first round. Like they felt like they were going to be if they did not get Kenny Galladay. But does that suggest that they may look to go edge in the first round? And when you look at a lot of these edge prospects, there's not one that really kind of jumps out at you as, oh, this is the guy that you want to take at 11. It's definitely a trade down type of scenario, but you'll look at the edge group right here. My edge one is Jalen Phillips. I've been talking about Jalen Phillips since January. This kid, highly recruited, Goes to UCLA, has head injuries, ends up leaving football, entering the transfer portal, goes to Miami, wears the same number as Gregory Rousseau, number 15, because Rousseau opted out, and it has one heck of a season. And he's six foot five, you know, in the two sixties. Maybe some people might view him more as a four three end, but he is a unique specimen playing the edge position and I think my second edge would be Aziz gelari from Georgia he's good against the run strong hands good length ended up having over 34 inch arms which is important for him I think he has a really good first step he's not he doesn't have elite explosiveness but he has enough explosiveness he has one really good pass rush move that he employs inside arm chop dip square hips to the quarterback sack so just a quick, chop rip move. And he uses that move, I would say, exceptionally well. But he doesn't have a lot of counters built off that. He has some, but they're not necessarily refined. But I do like Azizo Jalari a lot. And then you have the Quiddy Pays of the world, which I don't really feel like he fits with Patrick Graham as well as some of these other guys. And he has elite testing type of numbers but it doesn't always translate on the field i always feel like i want to see a little bit more from an athletic standpoint on the football field from quiddie pay he's the kid from michigan edge rusher six foot four about 275 pounds that's a big guy i think patrick graham can make anybody work within his system because he's that type of coordinator but i don't believe investing the 11th pick in quiddie pay is something i want the new york giants to necessarily do and then you have guys like jason Owa, who didn't have a sack in 2020 but he's literally a freak athlete you have guys like joe tryon good quickness off the snap another long type of player six foot four 250 pound guy who can also cover in space if asked to joseph asai texas edge played edge in 2020 but played linebacker throughout the rest of his career has versatile type of skill set kind of fits these hybrid fronts that we see patrick graham employ but none of these guys that i've mentioned are somebody that i want the giants to look at at 11 but dave gettleman doesn't trade down now if he ends up trading down and selecting one of these I'm going to be happy if he ends up going with one of these at 11 i'm not going to be upset but i feel like the giants are going to be passing up a player that is just a better overall prospect to fill a need that yeah i would say the edge position is still a quote-unquote need but i feel like there's depth in this class and you don't need to reach at 11 to select a player that may not be as good as say a Rashawn Sean Slater, if Slater's still on the board, or a Micah Parsons, if Micah Parsons is still on the board. But I can see the Giants going edge in the first round, maybe not even trading back to do so, just kind of taking the best edge in this class to fill what they view as a need because there is a dearth of talent at that position and that kind of gives me a little bit of concern I don't want to just draft for need you don't need to the Giants didn't put themselves into a position to draft for need right now because they had such a good free agency and I would argue that the offensive line you could say is a need and yes they brought in this coaching staff that they love Rob Sale bring back Pat Flaherty you have Freddie Kitchens there you have a good staff that can teach these players and that's what JoJo's want you want teachers not just coaches but putting a lot of eggs in the basket of Will Hernandez who was underwhelmed time and time again he had a solid rookie season but he's been underwhelming and ended up getting benched last year for Shane Lemieux a fifth round pick who was a liability in pass protection I don't want to put all my chips in that basket and that's kind of relying on Matt Peart taking a huge step forward Andrew Thomas building on that strong second half that we saw last year and then Nick Gates still playing at a solid level like he did last season a lot of uncertainty for an offensive line and that's kind of why I want the Giants to land someone like Rashawn Slater who can compete at right tackle hopefully you would hope Matt Parrott wins that job but then you could just allow Rashawn Slater to slide in at either guard position and he can secure one of those guard spots and then Lemieux and Hernandez, can and you can even throw Zach Fulton in there if you want to, can battle for the other guard spot. And then the loser ends up being the swing interior offensive lineman. That's what I would like. Unless the Giants are high on someone like Kyle Murphy, who was undrafted out of Rhode Island, Joe DeLeon, shout out to you, former teammate of you, our colleague here at Big Blue View. That's a lot of rhymes right there. But unless they're high on somebody like that, or they have someone on their practice squad last year that they think can realistically compete and possibly take that job from Will Hernandez, who's not going to be on the roster after this season then I want to add bodies to that interior offensive line specifically or these versatile guys like Elijah Bear Tucker, the kid from USC or Rashawn Slater who can play tackle and guard. That's kind of where I stand with it. Don't want to reach on edge, but you get a feeling that the Giants are are really going to do their due diligence there, possibly invest the first round pick at edge. They're at, all the pro days where all these top edges are. I mean, yes, they went to Penn State's pro day. They're sending huge contingencies there. We all think it might be for Micah Parsons, but it could be for Jason Owa. They're at Miami's pro day with Jalen Phillips, Gregory Rousseau. They're at Michigan's pro day with Quiddy Pay. I mean, they're they're all over the place. They're doing their due diligence. They went and saw Zizo Jolari for Georgia, and that's that's a good thing. You know, you want them to do that. But you don't want them to pass up a better player just to fill a need when you can get somebody in the second round who is also going to be a solid player, like a Boogie Basham, Ronnie Perkins, I guess you can look at Jordan Smith maybe a little bit later in the draft process as well. But I think it's going to be interesting. I'm not going to throw a fit if they end up going edge. I just hope they don't pass up on a supreme talent like a Kyle Pitts or (laughs) a Penny Sewell Fells, which I don't believe is something that's going to happen. But before we get into some of these Pro Day performances that I really want to touch on, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference.
1: already we brought up how Justin Fields looked good we brought up Zach Wilson but I want to talk about Mac Jones and his pro day because there were some I guess you could say negative reactions on social media because he had a couple overthrows and the camera caught a concerned looking Kyle Shanahan which was kind of funny and it also caught Bill Belichick shaking his head a little bit in a I guess you could say disapproval now Could that have been about something else, maybe a conversation Belichick was having with the people who were next to him? Possibly, but I thought it was funny overall. Mac Jones had a couple overthrows at his pro day session, but he also had some good throws out there as well. I think it's just going to be interesting, the whole Mac Jones-Justin Fields conversation, Trey Lance, you could throw him in there, and even Zach Wilson, but it it seems like just judging everything it's going to be trevor lawrence zach wilson and then it's going to come down to whoever kyle shanahan wants at three whether that be jones from alabama justin fields from ohio state or trey lance from north dakota state who doesn't have that many games under his belt and he's younger mac jones really doesn't have that many games under his belt because Tua was starting so long as well i believe they have the same amount of starting games but remember north dakota state didn't play in 2020 they played one game against central arkansas So they didn't have an entire season, their smaller level school and FCS program. But I do believe Trey Lance would look so great in what Kyle Shanahan wants to do, but I'm not sure if that's the direction they're going in. Let's talk about some other pro days. Oregon had their pro day, and Penny Sewell, I mean, he showed some impressive movement skills in the drills and in some of these tests. I mean, the guy came in at 6'5", 331 pounds, and he ran a 509 40-yard dash jumped 29 inches in the vert and 109 inches in the broad, which is under 10 inches. It's over just over 9, or under 10 feet, I should say. It's just over 9 feet. Now, the 29 inches is about 70th percentile on Mock Draftable's database, where the broad jump is about 80th. And these vertical and broad the jumps, that measures the lower body explosive ability of a prospect. And just for reference, Andrew Thomas had a 109-inch broad jump last year, so it's the same as what Penay Suel did. Only Penay Suel is doing this at 331 pounds, and he's 20 years old. And his movement drills in the, I mean, his movement skills with those drills a lot of rhymes going on here it's very very impressive stuff and you can see it on the tape as well the one that you see a lot on nfl network and i watched the game as well was the washington game back in 2019 because suel also opted out of the 2020 season where it was a screen and he kicked out and nailed the apex defender And there was a safety trying to undercut to blow the screen up. And Suell just pivots on his outside foot, gets his hips back inside, and gets enough of that safety to just toss him inside, showing impressive upper body strength to remove him from the play. And then the screen went for a touchdown. And you could see Suell on the ground just celebrating. It was a very, very impressive rep. If he's there at 11, I would take Kimmy over someone like Rashawn Slater, who I can't stop singing the praises of because the upside with Suell is just through the roof. Another player that we've talked about a little bit, it's Tulsa linebacker Zaven Collins so Zaven Collins is a six foot four and seven eighth inch linebacker so he's six foot five and he is 260 pounds weighed in 259 at the pro day played around 260 265 during the season that's a big linebacker we're not talking about one of those linebackers who oh you know he lines up predominantly on the edge no Zavin Collins was a linebacker <laughs> a weak side linebacker for Tulsa and he ran a 467 40-yard dash, did 19 bench press reps, 225 pounds, had a vert of 35 inches and a broad jump of 122 inches. Now, those explosive drills, 78th percentile for the 35 inch for linebackers, and 90th percentile for those broad jumps. But the thing about Xaven Collins that I love is good luck running back blocking this guy in blitzing packages. And I don't want the Giants to invest. I would say a first or second round pick unless they trade down and someone like Zayvon Collins because I feel like they're okay unless it's Micah Parsons because I believe Micah Parsons is that much better than Zayvon Collins who only really has one good year under his belt and that was 2020. But i look at micah parsons and i think he could be a huge impact on all three levels i think Zaven collins can cover i think he's good against the run but the instincts aren't quite there and he's not as dynamic and for somebody of that size i feel like he could do a better job taking on blocks keeping his chest clean scraping over the top of double team blocks and things like that something i feel like micah parsons does better than someone like Zaven collins but Zaven collins on the blitz similar to micah parsons I just would love to see that running back try to try to take him on at that size. It would be a, a huge mismatch. And on five-man pressure packages, it would be a lot of fun to watch. But his pro day, solid outing for him. Some other pro days that I want to touch on, Oklahoma State had their pro day. And Tevin Jenkins, man, he looked really fresh for his pro day, to be honest. And I just got done watching his film, and you could see so much upper body strength. And you could see it a lot of times when he's off balance, and he just shoves some players, and he sends them flying. Well... That was substantiated by his bench press, where he put up 36 reps, which is insane. Six foot five, 317 pounds, has 33 and a half inch arms. So it's slightly more than Rashawn Slater of Northwestern, who had 33 inch arms. And the thing about the arm length, the baseline for tackles is typically 33 inches. That's like the lowest you want. Joe Thomas is the player that had around 33 inch arms he might have been a little bit smaller who obviously is one of the best tackles in recent memories but he's m- more of an outlier i think 33 you, you can definitely get away with it but a lot of teams are going to try to kick you inside to guard if you're sitting there at 33 but i think tevin jenkins can play tackle i do he ran a 50 140 yard dash jumped an insane 32 and a half inch vertical which is the 92nd percentile which is really really good 32 and a half inches is is really impressive for any kind of lineman an offensive tackle or an interior offensive lineman which we saw Creed Humphrey do something like that earlier in this pro day cycle which was really really impressive and then also his teammate Tylen Wallace somebody I've linked to the Giants before they signed Kenny Galladay now he's not a huge type of guy Tylen Wallace he's about 5'11 192 pounds around there but he's recovering from an acl injury but i believe he's actually recovered because he ran the 40 and he ran a four-four-eight 40 yard dash with a 6973 cone sub seven that's always good for a three cone drill even for a wide receiver so that was great to see from tevin jenkins who has impressive ball skills and body adjustment ability he just doesn't have great size he's a good vertical threat down there for the cowboys of oklahoma state but let's transition to a big 10 team and that's minnesota rashad bateman Rashad Bateman is a player that I have talked about. Rashad Bateman is a player that I used to watch when he was a young player with the Golden Gophers. Now, on their website, the Golden Gophers, he was listed at 6'2", 210 pounds. But as Pro Day, he measured in a foot 190. It's not great. You, you never want to see that. that. That's significantly less than what was advertised. That's like when you go in to an Airbnb, and that Airbnb has just phenomenal pictures. You're so excited. And then you get to that Airbnb, and the place kind of sucks now bateman doesn't suck as a player obviously but two inches and 20 pounds is a lot to not have on you i guess you could say but he ended up running a 439 jump 36 inches in the vert and had 123 inches in the broad jump and those numbers they're not spectacular but they're good but when you watch the drills and you watched how he ran routes and how he set up breaks and how he was able to sink his hips and get in and out of breaks very very fluid Opened a lot of eyes and showed a lot of good just ability to leap and catch. And I know he's doing this stuff in his underwear. It's uncontested, but he passes the eye test. And his film also definitely passes the eye test. And I think Rashad Bateman's going to be a good receiver. I just wish he had that type of size because then you would be even more excited about him. But a lot of these websites falsely advertise a lot of their players. It's just something that happens. But Bateman's teammate, Benjamin St. Just is probably going to be a early day three cornerback played outside he's a canadian who ended up going to the university of michigan and transferring to minnesota and i didn't know much about him i watched a little obviously i used to watch a lot of minnesota games so i would see him out there but i was more paying attention to blake cashman and antoine winfield and carter coughlin and kamal martin and all of those type of defenders but benjamin st Juice went down to the senior bowl showed his impressive size length Six foot three, one fourth inch, 202 pounds, has long arms as well, uses them well in press situations, and he showed impressive man coverage skills, ability to mirror and match and stay in phase on those horizontal routes. And a lot of those drills, those one on one drills, they're totally devised for wide receivers. When is it ever fair for a cornerback to be playing outside leverage, forcing people inside, and there's no one inside to help you? That's never going to happen in football. But these drills at the Senior Bowl are set up that way. They're set up for the wide receiver. But St. Juice looked good. And then he ends up running a 4, 5 140, which is really good for a corner of his size. But he ran a 3.96 in the short shuttle. I mean, that's really, really impressive. That's 95th percentile for a defensive back. So that's just something that you really, really love to see from this type of player, Benjamin St. Juice. Before we dive into Miami's pro day, I want to talk about pro day of a team that's in florida that's not miami and that is the university of florida kyle pitts man i mean a lot of comparisons going around to calvin johnson right now and while kyle pitts didn't run a 439 like calvin did he did run a 444 4 yard dash as a 6 foot 6 245 pound tight end that is insanely impressive for reference calvin johnson was in the 230s and he ran a 439 but a lot of these other things, the height, it's similar. The speed, I mean, that's comparable. The length is comparable. I mean, Kyle Pitts has an 83 and 3/8 inch wingspan, and that's the longest wingspan by a wide receiver or tight end that's ever been measured. It just defeated DK Metcalf, who had a longer wingspan than him. Kyle Pitts is going to be a top 10 pick. I don't think there's a way he's sitting there at 11 because you can split this guy out wide. He's a total mismatch and he just ran a 4 4 4. I was thinking he was going to run a 4 6 or something like that. I don't think the speed jumps out at you, but it's definitely evident on the film. It's something that you see. I don't believe that, you know, he's not blazing like his teammate Kadarius Tony, taking the top off of defenses. He's not necessarily doing that, but. He is definitely fast and he can create separation. And he also runs amazing routes, is great in contested catch. I mean, he's just a phenomenal type of player. I think if he's there at 11, the Giants end up selecting him. Evan Ingram's not going to be on this roster past this season. And then you have Kyle Rudolph for one more year next year, and he's set up to be cut if he doesn't perform this season. And Kyle Pitts, you could line him up in 12 personnel as the outside tight end, or you could do double Y tight end sets. You could just play action boot and just have him roll out, get the football in space. He can block. He's going to try his ass off to block. He's not necessarily overly effective at blocking. He's not George Kittle, but he's not a complete liability either. You can also split him out three by one sets, have him be that lone receiver on the backside of the formation you have Saquon Barkley in the backfield you have the three wide receivers to the other side where's the safety the safety is going to cheat towards the other side you would imagine the three wide receiver side you had Kenny Galladay over there you have Darius Slayton over there you have Sterling Shepard over there that's leaving Kyle Pitts basically in a one-on-one with a cornerback who's probably significantly smaller then what happens you have a box that's not going to have seven to eight guys. And you're going to have a wide open box. And if these blocks can hold up, Saquon Barkley can take the ball and use his explosive ability to create plays in space. And that is just what we're looking for, these mismatches. And Kyle Pitts, I'm telling you, a lot of tight ends have come through the draft and they're built up like this. Oh, Eric Ebron's going to be, you know, the next this. And all these tight ends that are kind of running through my mind right now, they're not Kyle Pitts, man. Kyle Pitts is a special breed of tight end. And I, I do believe he would fit excellently with what Jason Garrett did in 2020. Now, let's hope Jason Garrett does something a little bit more than what he did in 2020. If we're going to be fair, we want to see a little bit more. But Kyle Pitts, amazing pro day, amazing season. The guy's going in the top 10. All right, but before we close this out, I wanted to bring up Miami's pro day. Cause I feel like Miami is a team that has two players that are probably going to interest the Giants, possibly in the first round. First, Jalen Phillips who played there in 2020. And then Gregory Rousseau, who played there in 2018 and 2019. And Rousseau had an amazingly productive season. But a lot of it was when he was kicked inside, it was third down, he was taking advantage of these ACC guards that are probably going to be accountants or doctors or something like that. And he was just using his superior length to kind of win at the point of attack. A lot of more hustle type of sacks and i don't want to take anything away from him i think he's a good athlete and he, and he showed that down at the pro day as well and he has just freak size i mean he's just under six foot seven 266 pounds 11 inch hands which is insane he ran a four six nine he has an 83 and one fourth inch wingspan which is incredible to think about as well he has all the length you want his explosive ability is adequate i guess you could say and on film you could say it's solid i think i don't I don't see somebody who shot out of a cannon or anything like that. I don't see somebody who could bend the edge consistently through contact, and that's why I don't love him. But I do believe that he's somebody that you give it to Patrick Graham, you give it to this coaching staff, they can mold him into something and make him into something dangerous. Not interested in the first round, but after that, definitely somebody you could talk to me about him. But he jumped 30 inches in the vertical jump and 115 inches in the broad. Now that's Rousseau. Now I've been saying for a while that I, I like Jalen Phillips better than Rousseau in terms of his tape, and I think that's just an obvious statement in terms of just when you're watching the traits. Phillips shows more traits. He's better against the run. He's more explosive, better hand usage, has more of a plan. Just Rousseau is more of just a moldable piece of clay who... Has a lot of upside, but it's just untapped at the moment. Now, Phillips, at his pro day, ran a 4-5-6 40-yard dash, 260 pounds, which is in the 96th percentile for defensive ends. He also jumped 36 inches in the vertical and 125 inches in the broad. That's 87th percentile and 91st percentile, respectively. Now, that is incredibly explosive numbers from someone like Jalen Phillips. And if those medicals check out, he's somebody that really, really interests me. He may have more of that 4-3 base end type of fit. Not somebody who's going to consistently drop into coverage, but he can set the edge. He can hold up in the run. I think he can drop into coverage. It's not an ideal type of situation, but it wasn't an ideal type of situation to have Kyler Fackrell drop into coverage. But that's what Patrick Graham did. And when you do it to the boundary, it's not that big of a hindrance to what you need to do as long as he can get out there in space and if there is a catch kind of box the receiver back inside which is something I feel like Jalen Phillips can do it's not his best utilization maybe but I do feel Patrick Graham will be able to find a way to utilize him and then there's Quincy Roche was a transfer from temple recruited by matt rule up there he also had a solid day ran a 7183 cone which is slightly above average according to mock draftable but nothing spectacular he ran a 442 short shuttle which is also average benched 23 reps at 225 which is also average then he jumped 32 and a half in the vert and just under 10 feet in the broad jump and he ran a 466 40 yard dash i don't believe. Well, those explosive numbers, they're solid for an edge rusher, especially an edge rusher who's going to be a day three prospect like Quincy Roche, and the 466 is also solid. But he's somebody that if the Giants don't end up going edge in the first two rounds, that may interest me in the third round and beyond. But I just don't envision that happening. I think the Giants are going to add an edge Either in the first round or somewhere in the second round, I think they're going to f- put a priority on. And I think if a Kyle Pitts or a Devonta Smith, I've heard the Giants link to him and he just fits the profile of somebody the Giants are going to love. Heisman Trophy winner, uber productive, works his tail off all the time. I think if those guys are around in the in the first round, the Giants may go in that direction michael parsons maybe you could throw him in there i mean if any team's going to know about his character it's going to be the new york giants with sean spencer and pat flaherty on the staff they've both been at penn state recently but it's, it's just hard to also know if the giants going to look at positional value and weigh that into the equation because it is a linebacker and they invested a lot late in the draft last year in the linebacker position. I'm just not 100% sure. Dave Gettleman hasn't been somebody who's given a crap about positional value in the past, if we're gonna be honest, because Dave Gettleman spent the number two overall selection on a running back, which is against all positional value metrics that you would ever imagine, especially when Sam Darnold, who was supposed to go one, ended up falling to two. And I would imagine so many people wanted to trade up to the number two spot, but Dave Gettleman was not having it. But that is Wander under the bridge. One thing I'm incredibly excited about is getting Saquon Barkley back. Because I think that's going to add a whole other dynamic to this offense in the passing game, as a runner, and especially how defenses are going to play Daniel Jones. And it's going to be difficult, especially if you add someone like a Jalen Waddle or a Kyle Pitts to this offense. But even if you don't, just having Kyle Rudolph there, and obviously Kenny Galladay to go along with a healthy Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, who is not going to now have a lot of focus and he can kind of take advantage of one on one matchups. I think that's going to really help Daniel Jones as well. Alrighty, everybody. This was Philato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. We talked a little bit of draft. We're going to keep talking draft all the way up to the draft because I love me some draft, talking a little bit of pro days, some players that may interest the New York Giants. Please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Go check out our page, Big Blue View. Myself and Raptor, Chris Flum, we're going to be coming out with a – little mock draft poll, and we're going to go over it on the Chris and Joe show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Check it out on the feed. Give it a download, please. And also just have a lovely day. Be safe and take care of yourselves.
0: More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to do list starts.